and Nick kind of sidles up to the microphone with a very guilty expression on his face because it's been about two months since I've done a podcast. So, uh, I'm sorry. I've been really busy. Busy with magazine and busy with craft work and busy with bits of life and uh, you know what it gets like and one day follows another and suddenly it's two months. So, anyway, I'm back. Welcome to Three Worlds Podcast number 10. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about um, offerings and giveaways and uh, bits and pieces like that. Okay, so one of the most common things in any animistic and shamanic spirituality is the need to give away, is the need to say thanks for the thing that I've just taken from nature and here is a gift. So if you're going hunting, you give a gift to the animals. If you are going to take some uh, wood or some plants from nature or a stone from nature, you do a giveaway for the thing that you have taken. If you're going to do some work with the spirits, you do a giveaway for the things that uh, the spirits have given you. So today is giveaways. So what do you give? Why do you give? And how do you give? Well, a lot of my basic uh, sort of stuff that I first started with was Native American-based. So for me, tobacco is uh, is one of the things that I often give. So, for instance, I'm going to do a pipe ceremony. I generally will uh, put tobacco and, uh, and the other mixture of herbs and things called kinnik-kinnik that I smoke in the pipe in a little seashell and that is on the, uh, the the cloth altar that is in front of me when I'm sitting down in the circle doing the pipe ceremony and I will take a pinch from that uh, for each of the directions and, and whatever in the filling of the pipe and there will be a little bit left at the end of the pipe ceremony so what I do is I clean out the pipe and put the ashes from the pipe in a gourd and I also then put all of the unused tobacco in uh, in that gourd as well. And then in generally in the next sort of 24 hours or so, depending on kind of when I've got time, I will then take that outside and I will give it to the land. And uh, that is a gift to the spirits of the land for allowing the ceremony to have taken place. If I was to go out and... Uh, take some wood maybe uh, from nature that I wanted to use in some craft work I would uh, perhaps if it was taken from a living tree or something I would put my hand on the tree and I would make a prayer of thanks I would say something like uh, thank you I want to take some wood here from from you uh, to, uh, to you know whatever it's going to be used for and I would offer a little pinch of tobacco generally I would hold it between my finger and uh, thumb and I would make a, a movement upwards to the sky and downwards to the earth and then in a small circle, clockwise, offering that to the four directions and the above and the below and also obviously at the same time to the spirit of the tree. Just a little pinch of tobacco and then I would put that down on the ground. And that for me acknowledges that I'm coming to the tree in a humble sort of sacred manner. I'm just not going out there with my saw and whopping off a branch and going home and kind of treating it like a supermarket. 
I'm going out there because it's a, a living being and I'm a living being and I'm saying I want to use a little bit of you and I'm asking permission here and uh, I'm giving you this giveaway in return. So tobacco is a very, very, very good and useful thing to, uh, to, to give to the spirits and give to the land in that way. Other traditions, well, you can give milk. One of the traditions in Britain from the fairy faith the fairy faith being the old ways of, uh, particularly of Wales and Ireland, of working with the little people, uh, is that you would put milk out, um, a little bits of meat as well, but milk in particular, uh, maybe in a little bowl or something like that. So sometimes I will do that. And you get the same sort of traditions with milk in, uh, in Mongolia, and there they tend to use a spoon and flick the milk to the directions dip a little bit into a bowl of milk and flick to the north, the south, the east, the west, the sky and the earth. And uh, the other tr tradition that's sort of similar to that is uh, in, uh, in Mongolia and Siberia is the use of vodka. Now I've taken to that quite well. <laughs> I've taken to that in, in some of the ceremonies that I do and uh, it's actually rather good. I, I, I hardly sort of drink any in whatsoever at all but um, I will pour a little bowl of vodka for the spirits and uh, I will uh, dip my finger into it and I will flick it with my finger upwards and to each of the directions and downwards and if I've got a fire on my altar too um, maybe uh, I'm burning some uh, some cedar or some juniper in a, in, a, in a pot. I will sprinkle a little on that, uh, offering to the flames as well, offering to the spirit of fire. And then I will also take a mouthful myself, so I'm drinking with my spirits. Um, so uh, flicking with the finger is a very good way of doing it too, if you're using a liquid, and uh, even in a kind of secular way, so to speak. I will quite often, when I open a new bottle of wine and I've poured it into my glass, I will quite often put my finger into the glass and just take a little bit and flick upwards and downwards and to each of the directions. Uh, not every time, and sometimes it's not very appropriate if you're in a restaurant or something like that. Maybe that's not a good time to do it. Or well, maybe it is. Maybe you should set a good example. Who knows? Um, but uh, it's nice. It's good. It's important to recognize and remember the spirits and honor them in that way. Um, so giving just a little thing like that. Coins too. I've 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 used coins from time to time. Just put a coin in the earth, or put a coin on top of a stone, or put a coin in the crook of a tree, maybe, whatever. Just just a little coin like that. Sometimes I will use hair. I've got very short hair now. I used to have very long hair, so it was a damn sight easier to pull out a little bit of hair. Now it's quite difficult. I think I'd probably have to use some tweezers or something. Can't kind of get a grip on it. But um, you can do that with hair if you wish. Fingernails too. Um, now there's all sorts of other traditions, of course, around hair and fingernails in terms of them being used in magic against you. Um, but... Uh, you know, I think I think use your discretion, really. If you're in a kind of place, uh, like most places, no one's going to use your fingernails or your hair against you, and it's perfectly okay. But you, you feel your own way with that. Smarties, um, or M&Ms, little bits of chocolate. 
smart is a kind of British equivalence of M&Ms. Um, and uh, things like that are particularly nice. They're colourful and they're chocolate and they also are uh, going to be okay for uh, use in nature in terms of things eating them. So that's not really going to do any damage to them. Um, they're particularly good with the fairies. Uh, so if you're making offerings to the fairies, one of my teachers uh, highly recommended using uh, Smarties, little, you know, the little round, uh, multicoloured, sort of uh, candy-coated, sort of um, like pills. They look like tablets, medical tablets, you know, with, with chocolate on the inside. So they're, they're good for giving away. Um, a couple of years ago, I had uh, a Buddhist Lama come to my house and uh, he did a uh, sog ceremony. Now, sog is a ritual feast, a ritual meal uh, in, uh, in some forms of Tibetan Buddhism. And um, you, uh, you, you, you eat a little bit of meat, you have red wine, uh, and uh, there's a whole sort of elaborate altar of, uh, of food put together. And... Um, Lots and lots of prayers and chantings and songs and bits and pieces like that. And then after we have eaten food, uh, a little bit of food is taken from the plate of everybody and put into a special bowl and given to the spirits of the land. And so uh, we uh, we took this, this bowl of food out uh, into the garden where I have uh, prayer flags and, and various sort of sacred sort of um, altars, earth altars and bits and pieces outside. And an offering there was made to the, the spirit of the hill in particular that's behind my house because it's a very powerful hill. And uh, it's really just acknowledging the local spirits, the spirits of the rocks, the spirits of the waters, the local sort of ancestral spirits, whatever. Very important to do. And it also may be that in the healing work that you're doing with somebody, there's the need for an offering now. This could be something very simple, like you're just offering something to your spirits. I guess in a way that's what I'm doing when I'm flicking vodka to the ceiling and, uh, and the directions and things within a room. But it may be that your spirits need particular offerings for a particular result. You may be working perhaps with um, a water spirit. One of my own spirits is a, is a water spirit uh, from the sort of Tibetan traditions. It's uh, uh, a, a sort of serpent spirit called a naga. And um, I, uh, I find this particular spirit uh, is quite a, a difficult spirit to, to work with. Um, she's very demanding and uh, very exacting. And I upset her one day. And my other spirits told me that I had to make an offering to her uh, fairly immediately because it was very important that I keep on her good side. And that offering was uh, to make a small bundle. Uh, now, a bundle is a sort of magical object, so it's a sort of collection of things. And this was a bundle of red coral and turquoise and seashells and various other things. They gave me quite specific instructions how I had to make it. And I then had to go and throw that into a river. And so the, you have to be aware of what the offerings are and be, because in a way they're, they're going to uh, be specific to the circumstance. If you've just got a little bag of tobacco with you or something like that, you can use that as an all-purpose offering perhaps just, just because you like a place. Uh, you know, you've come across a particularly beautiful tree or a, a nice moss-covered rock or whatever it is, and you want to give thanks for that. So you can just dip into your pocket and pull out the bag of tobacco and just take a little pinch and say, ah, thank you, Grandfather. Thank you, Grandmother. Thank you, Sacred Ones. 
and just pop that little bit of tobacco down. Um, but as I say, it may be that you have to have specific offerings for different things. Tobacco ties are another way of making offerings. This is obviously from the Native American tradition. Now, a tobacco tie is a little bit of cloth, generally red, because red is a protective and sacred colour in lots and lots of traditions. Um, and you wrap the, uh, the tobacco in a square of cloth. You, you kind of have a little square of cloth, perhaps uh, two, two and a half inches square, and you pop a little pinch of tobacco in the middle, and then you fold that cloth into three. So you fold the one third across, covering the little pinch of tobacco, and then you fold the other third across, so that the pinch of tobacco is now, now covered by two layers of, of cloth. And then you do exactly the same the other way, so that you have... Um, you kind of fold the, sh the, the ends in. It's a bit difficult to describe as I'm speaking, but if you can uh, imagine that you actually end up with a tiny sort of square of cloth with the tobacco in it and all the sides folded in. And then generally it's tied with a little piece of cord. And tobacco ties are tied to sacred places. They may be hung in trees. They may be given to people as a protective thing. They may be hung in cars to protect the car. They may be um, sort of tied to the insides of sweat lodges traditionally too in many cultures in, in the States and uh, tied onto the Sundance Bower and all sorts of bits and pieces like that. So you have these, these sacred tobacco ties and uh, the tradition is that tobacco is attractive to spirit. It attracts spirit. And so if you're making a prayer in the Native American traditions, you generally will burn a little bit of tobacco because that is making an offering to the spirits in that way too. So tobacco ties are offerings that can be left in nature uh, to uh, you know, decompose the cloth will go and, and whatever, and you can do it in that way. Cloth is another thing that's used as offerings. Um, I worked with a Mayan shaman once and uh, he was very insistent on using particular coloured cloths for offerings which were uh, cut up, tied on things, um, given away, things were wrapped in them, uh, thrown into rivers, all sorts of bits and pieces like that. He was also very uh, involved in using uh, flowers and uh, he would be quite exuberant and throw flowers and, and sort of scatter them all over the altars that he was preparing. Um, and the other thing that he also used quite a lot of was cornmeal. And uh, th that's also obviously traditional in many Native American cultures, especially down in the southwest, um, where corn was a staple part of the, uh, the, the way that the people lived. In uh, Tibet and Mongolia, of course, you have uh, the, the whole idea of the prayer flag, um, generally in the five colours of the, uh, for want of a better way of putting it, the medicine wheel of the, uh, the Tibetan and uh, Mongolian people, the five colours being the four directions plus the centre. And cloths of those colours are also tied to things and streamers. And uh, katas, which are the offering scarves, uh, now those are, are sort of long, thin, um, generally white or cream-coloured silk scarves which are offered to people as a sign of respect and offered 
two statues and paintings, tankers of the deities and the spirits and uh, tied to trees in nature. If you look at uh, the whole idea of the Mongolian ubu or uvu, uh, which is an outdoor shrine, a little bit like a cairn of stones generally, uh, you will see that they are often covered uh, in profuse amounts of bright sky blue katas. Uh, and uh, they look kind of quite nice, I must admit. And then the katas fade, of course, and uh, kind of gradually dissolve back into the... Uh, the wilds. I make quite a few offerings on altars. Um, I keep home altars, uh, which um, mostly have a sort of Buddhist feel to them, because that that's sort of very much where I'm coming from in in a lot of the work that I do. So a Buddhist altar, Tibetan altar, which um, has elements of shamanic and Buddhist sort of practices for me, will have a whole variety of offerings made to them. Now. If you've ever seen a Buddhist altar, probably I'll describe them. They'll generally have seven bowls on. These are small bowls, uh, about sort of two inches in diameter, I guess. Sometimes they're made of silver, sometimes they're made of copper. Um, sometimes they're very plain, sometimes they're sort of embossed and all decorated. And those are filled with water. And the seven waters represent different things. So you're making an offering to the Buddha or the spirits or however you want to think about it. Obviously, a lot of these traditions go way, way back before Buddhism. They're an animistic tradition. So within these, you have water for washing, water for drinking, flowers, which you also represent with water. These are the seven bowls of water I'm describing here. Incense, perfume, food, music, and uh, you'll also have a butter lamp as well. But not the butter lamp, but the others are just generally offered as water. But saying that, you will also often find that there are real flowers or silk flowers put onto an altar. There will be incense burning. There will obviously be the butter lamp. Uh, and the whole use of candles too is, is important in altars. I generally have them going when I'm doing a pipe ceremony or any other sort of ceremony. I'll have an altar candle in front of me. A butter lamp is a sort of, um, well it looks a little bit like a chalice and uh, traditionally you would fill it with uh, with liquid butter and uh, you would have a floating wick in it and it would be a little sort of uh, lamp burning. For me I used some um, tea lights or uh, night lights as they're known in the UK. I have no idea what they're called in the rest of the world but they're, they're kind of little aluminium uh, sort of containers that have a small candle in and they burn for a few hours and uh, I just sort of uh, pop one of those into a butter lamp because they fit beautifully and uh, you know you, you sort of uh, can have those burning on your altar. Um, rice is uh, is used in uh, a lot of Buddhist altars and also in the, uh, the shaman's altars of uh, Nepal. They will have a pot of rice and in Nepal, the uh, the shaman will generally have this pot of rice with his pulba, which is a ritual dagger stuck into the top of it. And the ritual dagger represents the world tree standing up in this uh, bowl of rice. And then periodically the rice is, uh, is, is thrown away. Well, not thrown away, it's given to the land. Um, just a word about rice, it's very important to actually cook it before you throw it out, because uh, if you scatter dried rice on the ground uh, it's really really bad for animals because it expands in their stomachs so if you're going to throw rice cook it first and the same applies to weddings of course 
Um, food on altars. I don't often put food on my altars, but I do occasionally. Quite often I'll put, uh, you know, if I'm going to put food on, it'll probably be just little chocolates or something like that. And then after they've been blessed by the altar, I will eat some of them and I will offer them to people and I will take some of them and leave them out on the land as well. So the whole sort of thing is about being in a sort of sacred connection with things when you're doing that. Musical instruments also feature quite a lot in uh, in Buddhist altars and you will find that uh, a lot of them will have a conch shell. Conch shell symbolising the offering of music to the uh, to the spirits or the Buddhas. Um, other things that I put on my altars, uh, I've got silk flowers on them, but I put fresh flowers on too from time to time, but silk flowers are always there, so that's actually quite a good thing to, to think about doing. Uh, but get nice ones. Um, I, I have uh, a little uh, static um, copper um flower which uh is uh well again it's, it's 100 years old or more and it's from a uh, a set of auspicious um offerings from a, a a mongolian buddhist altar um so that's a nice thing to do that's a kind of uh, embossed copper flower i have a conch shell yes what else do i have oh i have statues of uh, some of the buddhist beings that i work with in a shamanic way such as the naga that i spoke about a little while ago and the naga has her own bowl of water uh, filled with jewels in front of her and I make offerings to that so it's filled with pearls and uh, little bits of turquoise and red coral and some very small quartz crystals and uh, uh, cowrie shells and all sorts of bits and pieces like that and I fill that up with water each time. Um, I have uh, another uh, Tibetan being that I work with which is a wrathful being and in front of that one, I also make water offerings. I have two kapalas. Now, kapala is a small uh, representation of a skull. Some are actually made from real human skulls, but the ones that I've got are very small, and they're made of brass, and uh, they have a lid and the skull bowl, and I use those for offerings. And I pour water into each of those two. Now, I have two in front of this, this wrathful being because there's other symbolism coming in here um, or in the tantric uh, male-female sort of connection, which uh, goes through a lot of shamanic traditions and Buddhism too. So the two water offerings there represent blood and semen. And when I'm doing a healing for somebody... I won't use water. What I tend to use there is red wine and milk, uh, the red and white. And uh, you find that this red and white symbolism occurs all over the world. Even if you think of the British maypole, you have the red and the white. So uh, those are the offerings that I tend to make on mine. Another thing about offerings, especially on an altar, is to keep them fresh. Um, Traditionally, the seven bowls of water on a Buddhist altar are turned upside down when they're empty, and they're emptied at the end of a day. Uh, and then fresh water is put into them from a special water container called a bumpa, uh, which is a little bit like a kind of teapot with peacock feathers stuck in the top. And um, those are uh, sort of filled up each day, and then at the end of the day, the water is given again to the land, or if you've got a house plant or something like that that you know you want to kind of look after and give it some blessed water, you do it that way. Water is another offering, um, and I use a bupa 
quite quite often within that uh, they're used for empowerment and they're also used to bless spaces so I will use the uh, the, the water in a bumper and flick it to the directions especially in a room that I'm going to do a ceremony in um, it's a way of cleansing it's a little bit like smudging but you're kind of flicking holy water if you like I'm a good Catholic <laughs> no I'm not <laughs> um, you have to sort of uh, you know bumpers are lovely objects they um, they have a like a sprinkler in the top which you pull out and the sprinkler is full of peacock feathers and it's like a, a sort of um, copper ice cream cone if you like with the ice cream being the peacock feathers and that goes into the teapot so when you pull it out there's water on the end and you can actually flick that to the directions and uh, they're often sort of dressed the teapot is sort of dressed in a skirt of brocade as well i, I really like brocade so um it's one of the one of the attractions of tibetan buddhism for me is all these these wonderful silk brocades and uh, and stuff like that so uh, it's very rich i like the richness of it Oh, what else? I think that's probably about all I need to say, really. Oh, I have offering scarves, of course, around uh, some of the statues and, and bits and pieces like that. Um, and uh, in a way, we're kind of getting into altars here, and that, that'll be a topic for another time. But uh, maybe for now, that's probably enough about offerings. I think it's really good to make offerings. I think it puts you into a sacred connection with things. And... Uh, it's a way of really being mindful about what you're doing and respectful of the spirits. And I think you have to find your own way. I mean, the altars that I sort of manage, if you like, you know, they're, they're yeah, they're pretty Buddhist and they, they kind of go along that route, but they're mine and they're not really adhering to any particular Buddhist tradition, although there are a lot of things on them that are very traditional. But I think it's important that you, you you follow your own heart with it. You follow your own kind of feeling of what is appropriate and what isn't. And just practice it. Uh, it's a really good thing to do. Smoke, of course, is another one. I mean, there's just so much that you can, be, you, know, you can offer. Smoke, you can offer dance. Why not dance? Why not sing? Anything that you give away with a sense of, I'm giving this, is an offering. And that's, it's just great. It's a great way of being, you know, respectful and kind of connecting with the spirits in that way. So have a go. Have a go with it. Get a chocolate bar. Yeah, have some yourself. Give some to the spirits. Good stuff. Okay, um, so I'm going to come back with another podcast, hopefully fairly soon, and definitely less than two months away. Um, quick uh, kind of links section, as it were. Uh, please visit the Sacred Hoop website, www.sacredhoop.org. And the special offer for the PDF subscription is uh, is still available. So if you want to get a PDF subscription to the magazine for a, a really cheap price of £7.50, which is around about 14 maybe $15 US, whatever, um, you have to go to a special hidden page, which is sacredhoop.org forward slash offer dot html and uh, there's no links to that page so you've got to go straight into it it's hidden and there you'll find a secure shopping cart you can get a subscription to the magazine and we'll send it to you uh, we've got a new issue coming out in the next sort of month or thereabouts we'll be going to print um, okay uh, my own website is www.nicholaswood.net 
Uh, there you'll see all the sort of beadwork and crafts and paintings and all that gubbins. And my music is on there too. Um, I've received loads of emails, and thank you for this, guys, folks, guys and gals and whatever, uh, for uh, contacting me about the music that I've been putting on at the end of the, the podcasts and sort of asking me what my music is and bits and pieces. So I really appreciate that. And I'm going to finish with some of my music again on the end of this one. Um, this podcast's website is three the number three worlds.co.uk and that website is also a gallery uh, of um, shamanic and tibetan buddhist ritual objects antique ones i've been collecting them and i've mentioned this in other podcasts the gallery is now up and basically open um, i've still got to do a couple of shopping carts on on some of the pages uh, but uh, all of the objects that I'm offering at this time are up there and uh, you please go and have a look at them. There's also a load of articles on there written by me and by other people about different aspects of uh, ritual objects and shamanism and things like that. And you can download those for free. They're all in PDF format. Um, there's just a load of stuff there. So I'm, I'm trying to sort of gradually make it into a, uh, a resource site as well as being a site full of these wonderful objects that I've got in cardboard boxes all over the house. So uh, please buy them and then I won't have them in the house and I won't be tripping over them. Um, yeah, that's probably about all I need to say at this time. OK, so thank you for listening. Oh, my email address. Yeah, nick at sacredhoop.org. And please contact me. I love getting your emails. And I'm getting much better at replying. Aren't I? Those of you who have had replies. <laughs> um, and I'm going to finish with a little bit of music. This uh, this is a piece of music that I recorded. Um, um, but uh, anyway, hope you enjoyed. Thanks for listening. And I'll speak to you next time. Bye.
dirty street Are living in the hills With the stones lying at your feet Breathing clean air And moving through grime All things change Given enough time Life half over or barely begun We all still live beneath the moon and the sun The winds reach the city as well as the hill And after we've gone they'll be blowing still Jump up and live again 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 Mortality is such a small price to pay For the awareness we have of our living today And the gift of awareness is all we own And what we have offered is all we have sown Awareness has touched you and you know what I mean When I say nothing's unreal simply because it's unseen And didn't I beat in those ancient rhymes Walk on the green hills and not in the grime Jump up and live again Jump up Give a house to the holy so the holy can't live there Give food to the old ones and smoke to the drunk Bright cloth and turquoise as a gift to the sun Touch all you see and all you do not With the spirit of beauty I know you have not forgot Light fires for the living and fires let the feast be prepared and the spirits fed Jump up and live again 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 Jump up and live again